morning has turned to afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. But the grind carries on. Not just the grind physically, but the grind mentally. The Midday Grind, featuring a couple of TV jockeys who've also been through the radio wars. <laughs> serious? Martin Kilcoin. I was a little lit, so I was saying whatever I wanted. And Charlie Marlowe. Our top story tonight, John Jay will be back tomorrow. Here's him getting a hit in 2012. It's the Midday Grind on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Midday Grind, 590 Fan, live from the Kirkwood Studios. We're heating things up, Charlie, on this cold Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Heating it up with some hot sports talk. Five for Chuck, took about 48 minutes. <laughs> Opening monologue, we had 48 laps, I believe. And if you could come back in your next life as one person, who would have, a lot of people would say like George Clooney, Tom Brady. Great question. People who have made it in life. My answer's always been Malcolm Briggs. You're I just so I have to it. tell you, you're so full. Of he it. is America's guest. <laughs> uh, I think he worked for a living when he was at Channel Five. I think he worked wow. there. This guy, the Milk Dog, long time. Apparently, it must beat up on a black guy day. Is oh, that what it is, man? No. Is that typical, why you brought me on, yep. man? Is typical that kill coin. No, <laughs> typical yep. kill coin. That's right. All that stuff going on over there. If I could come back <laughs> in my next life, I said I'd be Malcolm Briggs. Uh, how many years were you at Channel Five? 16, 15, 16 years. Okay. And then on the Rams broadcast, 12. 12 years on the Rams broadcast. So I'll ask you what I asked Bob Wallace uh, earlier on the program. When we were in New Orleans leading up to Super Bowl 36, did it ever cross your mind? Well, they might lose this game. No. Like nobody was thinking that way. They, they beat that team 99 times out of 100. They really do. If, if March is just doing what he's supposed to do. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. And you were on the sideline. Yeah. And there's all these famous stories that Wilbert Montgomery, who was known to just drop F-bombs and say whatever was on his mind, was like screaming at Mark Run the ball. Saying, run it. Yeah. Stop I mean, throwing the ball. Run it. You got a guy that's at home and wants to show out, and you don't give him the rock? I mean, that's just – that's just. But the that thing about Marshall Mark, playing in New Orleans, Charlie, in case you were right. wondering. <laughs> I knew that. Okay. The thing is, though, March only had one gear. He was all about – Annihilating his opponent, embarrassing his opponent. I mean, they would win. They would win by 30, 40 points, and coaches wouldn't even shake his hand. Right. Literally. And he didn't, he didn't get it. He didn't understand. He, they didn't like him. He, he'd embarrass them. And, uh, and he thought that was the job is that you go over there, you're going to annihilate that opponent. But if you don't, all you have to do is look back a couple of Super Bowls ago when, when Atlanta thought they were going to be hoisting a trophy and they got walked down. And that's what March was, March was afraid of. And so were there actual – do you remember, like, guys on the sideline and talking also about how the Patriots were mugging everybody on the – I think it was the greatest game plan that I've ever seen. And, and you know what? That's exactly how you beat them. I mean, you get, you get Isaac, you get Torrey, and the first thing they did, if you go back and look at the game, first thing they did was grab them at the line. First play. And so they set the bar really high with the officials, and the officials looked at that and said, okay, that's where we're going to play from. And they never, ever called it. And if you watch, the, that whole offense was predicated on timing. Kurt would drop back three steps, five steps, seven, and he would throw the ball. He didn't care if no one was there. He threw it because they were supposed to be there. If someone grabs you and stops your timing, there'll never be anybody there. And that's what happened. Do you think if they win that Super Bowl, anything's different about the history of that team in St. Louis? Or does it, 
Once Kroenke owns them, it doesn't matter if they'd won eight in a row. All right. So I'm a financial advisor at Edward Jones. My job is to take care of my clients and to maximize anything I can do for them for their retirement or whatever the, the, the purpose may be. If Stan Kroenke is my client, I do the exact same thing he did. Because he took a $900 million asset on Tuesday and made it $3 billion on Wednesday. So we get emotional about it, and I get emotional because I love football. I loved you know, my time with the Rams and them, them being in St. Louis. But you take the emotion out of it, that's his job. That's his job to make every asset that he has as valuable as he possibly can. Now, I don't think he's the guy that went on TV and was kicking St. Louis in the mouth. If you look at the people that are around him, you could say Dimoff. You could say Alan Bornstein, his attorney. Those guys were the ones that were really taking the shot. Stan didn't say anything. And I'm not defending Stan at all. I'm just saying there were a lot of people that were saying a lot of bad things against him when they were well, I think and the, the level of deceit is what's the biggest hang-up, I think, for people is how they kind of did the whole charade and then Demoff later announces we knew back in 2013 and yet they went through this whole song and dance with Peacock and the league and the league would right. come in and say, oh, I like that stadium drawing. Can you change the parking spot? And we're like, what a waste of time. But, you know, we also had the opportunity to lock them up prior to that and we didn't do it. Now, you remember when they first came here, how that all went down, where St. Louis just gave them everything they wanted. Georgia would ask for something, and they would run out of the room and tell Shaw, and Shaw, Shaw would run back to her and tell her. Just, just, and I think it happened two or three times, and then he just went to her and said, just tell me everything you want. They're going to give it to you. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, they were paying $25,000 to play in that place on a Sunday, and they got all the money. It was just, just uh, I think the numbers were like Right. No, the lease deal was ridiculous. I think the XFL is going to pay hundred grand per game, and the NFL Rams were paying twenty five grand And making a million five. We could cobble up twenty five grand in the room right here and, 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 and make that deal, you know? Rent it out. Maybe a big birthday party. But you know what? It's I mean, he's... This it couldn't have been scripted any better for Stan. I mean, to go to the Super Bowl in the what second year, third, third year, year they're there. I mean, come on. Any uh, interactions with him? I haven't had any with him. Well, I mean, but even I, back in the day, sidelines. Oh yeah, or you know he was always great with me on the sideline. We would always talk, um, especially on the road. All those guys were great. I mean, you know, and again, it gets back to he's a businessman in. Even just watch his this past when they when they picked up the trophy when they actually got the trip to the Super Bowl handed to him. Even his conversation on TV, I, I was cringing. I was like, "Dude, really? <laughs> he can never he carry can't, a conversation. He can't carry it. That's well, not who hey, he is, hey, though." Hey, Malcolm, hey, good to see you. And you know, I, I thought Les was was chomping at the bit to say something. Dimoff was up there looking to say something, and then he got the thirty year old coach up there, and he's just peeing down his leg. He's so excited, he doesn't know what to say. You know, but uh, it. It's it's very interesting, and I think they're going to find out some real interesting stuff on Sunday. Because they're playing the Patriots. Because they're mean, playing the Patriots. So you see it that way, that it's, it's, a, it's a whole other league when you're taking on Bill Belichick. Give the guy two weeks. I mean, you stopped the high-flying Rams, dude. Think about that. That team was dr- – it was so bad on the sideline that the, a team would score against the Rams, and they would laugh. They were like, shoot. <laughs> and they would literally walk on the field and go like, watch this. Kurt, all of those guys, watch this. And they were like, this is nothing. They score. We'll go score three times as many times as they do. And they did every time. And he stopped them. He he figured it out. That was amazing. Give homeboy the rock, Charlie. He was there you go. His, that would be Marshall playing in New Orleans. I also feel like the Patriots, we've, we've all said, a million people, you know, national media people have said the Patriots are done. We're talking even 10 years ago. People have said, okay, maybe it's time to – 
to trade Tom Brady, right? They come back in that Super Bowl against the Falcons. And then last year, they had that hiccup, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then again, a Patriots hiccup is losing in the Super Bowl. So At I the last like, play, basically. Right. I feel like they're kind of over that, and it's back to, okay, Patriots, Brady, Belichick versus a coach who's 33, and he's a genius, but it's his first time in the Super Bowl. Jared Goff hasn't exactly been fantastic week to week in think, the latter parts of this of this season either. Charlie, check this out. So think about this. If you were picking a team and you were you had anybody in the league to pick. This is a good Frank question. But, you, but there'd be a gun to your head and there'd yeah, be a plate of food. Think about this. And this is not a racial thing. But this, just think about this. This is what the brothers say. <laughs> Would you pick two white, five foot seven receiver and slot receiver to be on your team? Now, you, everyone talks about what Brady did in the last game. Think, look at, Go back and look at the catches that Edelman mm-hmm. made. They were like, oh, my God. Even if he drops one of those, game over. They don't win. The catches he made, and don't, every time Hogan, I know brothers want to come across the line and just crush those guys, and they kill them every time. It is amazing how smart they are. They find the hole in the defense. They make a great catch, and Brady gets all the credit. And I'm like, dude, no, look at how he caught that ball. They'll catch it on the heel of the ball. It's, a, it's really amazing who they have on that team and, the, and how they lift their game at the most crucial time and make a play. And it's, it's scheme, too, as you said, because yesterday I'm talking with Dan Connolly, local guy, went to Marquette High School, went to SEMO, undrafted. So he goes and he's kind of on the practice squads and whatnot for the Jaguars. Not exactly a fantastic team. So what happens? He goes to the Patriots. He has an eight-year run there. He basically starts, whatever, 70, 80 games, wins the Super Bowl as a guard, as a center. This is an undrafted dude from SEMO, and it seems like that's half of the Patriots every year. Dudes that played lacrosse, dudes that played rugby, a random uh, college quarterback. Their last chance to get a ring. And they show up there. when they get there. Yeah. Is that coaching or is that luck? I or is that the devil? Personnel. Don't you think it's <laughs> – I think it's Belichick being – Fantastic at knowing how to draft and get the personnel for his system. Hey, Bill, who do you got for wide receiver in the Super Bowl? Um, this guy used to be an ice cream vendor. And he, uh, <laughs> That's we just, what it is. We signed him this week. <laughs> we think he'll be just fine. Think about Ho- well, how many teams was Hogan on? Wasn't he on somebody's practice squad? Think and, and go back and look at the catches those two made in the last quarter and a half of that game. They were amazing. They really were, and 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 Bell, you know, Brady gets all the credit. This dude is playing in his ninth championship game, in any sport. Think about that. Jordan got six, six and six. He didn't play in nine. <laughs> Brady's playing in nine. The Malk Dog, Malcolm Briggs, in studio. Text away eight five five two eight two eighty two fifty five. So that game would have to be, I would think, your least favorite. Big time event you were at or most disappointed, however you'd phrase it. How about a couple of your greatest sporting events that you covered? Because you were um, here for a yeah. long run. Um, obviously, McGuire. Um, a couple of cool things. Oh, I think the first one was so when Gretzky was uh, was brought in by my buddy. <laughs> so Gretzky shows up. Who's your buddy, Mike Keenan? Mike Keenan. Took was, care of my that boy. Your guy? Yeah, I liked Mike. Here, this is like Charlie Tuna. He's the iconoclast here. I, I like Going oppo. So what? My son gets born, and he sends a box of stuff, blue stuff, to my house for my son's birthday. This I thought was probably cool. The Cardinals did the same thing, but I thought it was kind of cool. America's guest, Malcolm yeah. Briggs. So, so Gretzky's um, in the locker room. So they, he gets he – gets, um, the trade goes on. He's on the road the first game. Then he comes back here. 
And so, the, I mean, the building is absolutely vibrating. It's like Arrowhead Stadium, but with a roof on it. And uh, I'm back in the tunnel where I'm not supposed to be, as I always was. And The Channel 5 way back in the day, yeah. Chuck. They thought they could just do their own, <laughs> do their own rules. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm back in there, and so I'm talking to Gretzky, and he's getting ready to go off for the practice skate. And you, the place is packed, and it's just buzzing. And I, I said, I said, dude, this is about to go crazy. He goes, you think so? And I walk out with him. I walk out when he walks out with him onto the ice for the first time. It was crazy. Everybody's like, Grant Fury! Fury! <laughs> I love Fury, though. Yeah, that was your guy, too. That was my guy, man. Got so, I still actually play with some of his golf clubs. He's a really good golfer. <laughs> Other one was probably McGuire when he hit, um, was it 61? Um we're in the in the uh, dugout while the whole world is getting ready for the ceremony and all that, and we're both sitting together on that anvil case right at the bottom of the, of the steps there, just hanging out. And he's just freaking out, and I got to sit there with him and talk to him. I thought it was kind of cool. One of my greatest career regrets was spring training in 98. So I'm still kind of the new guy in town. And, Chuck, you'll appreciate this, the demands of work, Oh yeah, the opportunities that come with it. At that time, the news director thought everything had to be live, live, live. And we had a 9 and a 10, which in Florida is 10, 11. Oh, right. One hour difference. And it's pitch black. <laughs> what I'm saying, though, now it's 11, 20 Eastern, and I'm standing outside it's, in an you can't empty, see anything. empty parking lot at Jupiter. <laughs> I'm too young to, you know, pop off. I just said, okay, I'll be live if that's what you want. You know, Malcolm's leaving at like 630. You know, he's got his <laughs> golf clubs. He's like, hey, dude. Hey, Marvin. Milton, what's his name? And I said, uh, it's Martin. And he's like. Hey, you want to come with us tonight? A bunch of us, McGuire and I, we're going to go grab some beers, have some food. And I'm like, I think Brian Jordan's coming, probably Langford. We're going down to uh, that Clamachi Street or whatever it is in Dude. West Palm. And he's like, you come with us? I said, oh, I've got a live shot at 10, a live shot. I'll try and catch you guys later. There's no cell phones. You're not going to text or anything like right. that. I do my stupid late live hit. I'm sure it was very good. And I go back to the hotel, crash, come back the next morning. Of course, but I was like, Dude, oh, you missed it. We were crushing beers with Mark McGuire, and I, and I'm like, don't, th- th- I'm good. He's like, no, no, it was the craziest night. I've been a p- Brian Jordan, and then Langford pulls up, and, and the, it, the story just kept growing. I'll tell you the story. So I said something to Martin. We go down, and there's this bar, and I don't know if you've ever been to West Palm, but it's like all the girls there come from some blue blood family, and these girls start pulling up in like Bentleys and Rolls Royces and stuff, and they park. And two sides of the facility open up to the street. And so me, McGuire, Lankford, and those guys, there's like seven of us. And there were some Dodger players there, too, I think, about two or three of them. And we're just sitting at the bar. And it went from zero to like 200 girls of the most amazing-looking girls you've ever seen. And <laughs> McGuire is leaning back on the bar. And he's like ordering like he's he's at Shoney's, man, you know, and he's just he's just and they're just bringing girls over to him. It was it was phenomenal. But Martin was working and couldn't hang out. With yep. Him. Missed out on that because I had an opportunity, Charlie, sure to do did. a live report. Great live shot back to St. Louis. All right. So Ram wise, you weren't on the sidelines because Savard was the sideline guy in 99, right? No, no, I was. Were you in 99? Mm-hmm. OK, I did both Super Bowls. You did. OK. Mm-hmm. So that one obviously stands out. Great memory. Yeah. And then things kind of got squirrely, and Linan came in. But you were there through Hazlitt, I think, yeah. for a little bit. So yeah. you really saw that organization at its best and at its worst. But they, yeah. they were always kind of the same, though. They were always slightly dysfunctional, even when they were good. Well, I think they liked. I think Shaw liked that kind of dysfunction. 
even though you know they they could have built a dynasty had March done the right thing and and they ran the ball. But they let me get away with probably more than any other sideline reporter in the history of football because I was in the locker room before kickoff. I got to go in the locker room at halftime, and I was the first and only reporter in the locker room after the game immediately. So I saw everything, heard everything. I didn't report on it because they and that's what the reason they let me get away with it. But, I mean, I, I saw the medical. I saw a guy that was sick that had to get shot. I saw everything. And I didn't report on it, but they let me get away with murder. So uh, I would sit in there and hear it all. It was – and March was amazing, dude. He was he was amazing. Right. Well, he was he was that eccentric level that made him great, yeah. made him fascinating because he yeah. would say anything also. And if you were on the receiving end, yeah. I was a couple of times, he could eviscerate <laughs> you if he wanted to. Yeah. The, the only time I think I got – Put out of the locker room. I think we were might have been in Denver or something, and uh, they were losing. And uh, I'm sitting there, and he walks by, and he looks at me. He goes, "Take a walk." I said, "Gotcha." And that, that was the only <laughs> take time. Take a walk. <laughs> in other words, he, yeah. At that point, you're not welcome. Yeah, he was about to lose his mind. But I mean, I've seen him lose his mind many a time in there. But um, they let me get away with a lot of stuff, and uh, it, was, it was an interesting time. So, what do you miss about your financial planner, Edward uh-huh. Jones? You've been doing that for a while. What do you miss about the business? I don't miss too much. I still have I have clients that are athletes. I you know I still hang out with uh, Redskins and those guys out there. So I Tony Wiley and those guys are my guys. Um, I what I don't miss. I never saw my kids. So for five days out of seven, he didn't have visitation guys. <laughs> you know, like I had. So five days out of seven, you know we're working. I mean, I'd get up, they'd be at school. I'd get home, they'd be in bed, um, and then I'd be on the road with the ramp. So I didn't see them that much. And you know, I think. If you're not around your kids when they're little, they're not going to give a hoot about you when they get old. And my son just graduated from University of Denver, and he's now in Mexico City working for a Kansas City firm, Lockton, over there. And then my daughter's a, a junior at TCU, which is a whole nother level of crazy football, man. I don't know if you follow Big 12, Big 12, obviously SEC around here. But I, I went to a game with the chancellor. and um, <laughs> America's guest, Malcolm Briggs. So... <laughs> He goes, yeah, I needed, you know, I need fifty million dollars to do some up, you know, some upgrades. I, I was being kind of cheeky and said, "What'd you go to your big fat Texas endowment to uh, uh, take care of that?" He goes, "No." So just look around the room. There were eight people in the room. He says, "These eight people gave it to me in seven days." I said, "These eight people gave you fifty million dollars in seven days." He goes, "Yeah, doesn't everybody?" <laughs> like that's a whole nother world. Nice. That's big time football. All of this from humble beginnings. Wichita or Topeka? Hold I on, came I from thinking. Wichita. I worked in Wichita. I'm oh, from Milford, Kansas. Milford, Kansas. Then I came here and I met Martin Kilcoin and the rest. The rest is, is history. The rest mm-hmm. is history. The, I, thought, I thought I was going to be working with you at two, but I didn't think you wanted to well, we, we share the talk, spotlight. We might have talked about oh, that's that at still some true. point. <laughs> oh, my, my longtime assistant, oh, Chuck yeah. Marlowe, yeah. who has survived a lot, which includes, was it three years ago? No, two years ago. The Kevin Demoff's Chiron, where you put professional liar under Kevin's name. Oh, yes. A lot of blowback. Most people enjoyed it. Company-wise, you got to have some decorum. I get it. But we bring it up because of a guy in Pittsburgh. Last night on their news, they have a Tom Brady clip, and it says underneath Tom Brady, known cheater. And they fired they the fired staffer. Him. I don't know who you, put Did they in. suspend him or they fire him? I read that they fired him. That you know what that dude's got a lawsuit because uh, the defense is truth. 
He is a cheater. Right? <laughs> Isn't that your defense? And like, even yeah. Charlie's defense back in the day, well, he did lie. It's been proven. But yeah. also, and look, and I did apologize because I did break a rule where everybody knows if you're going to either say something on TV or put something on a graphic, you know when it's borderline, right? You know when you have to ask. Certainly nobody would have approved that. It was just a little joke. Did I ever think it would blow up into this? No. Probably this guy. Same thing. Should he be fired for that? No. It's a joke. You're in Pittsburgh. He is a cheater, right? I mean, are you you're gonna you're gonna fire your guy for that? I want to know if there's more to the story. If the if the guy had been had hey. a terrible resume at the the building, like, oh good, we can finally get him on this. The reality is people talk about them, you know, recording our practice and all that. It shouldn't have mattered. If you can't stop them, you're talking about the known cheaters now. At this yes, point. the known cheaters. If you can't stop them, I'm sorry. You know, people are they're angry. They, hate, I don't know if there'll ever be any love for New England in this city, man. I, I think <laughs> no. I think it's changed. I think it took the Rams going to L. A. Yeah. and becoming good. You think people are rooting for F- the Patriots oh, over the Rams? Really? Oh, I, I, yes. I, have, I have rooting against the city of Boston ever since 2001. Ever since February 2002, or February 2002, I should say. And I'm breaking, I'm breaking form to wow. root for the Patriots in this Super Bowl. Like I was, I was, I was 11 years old when they lost that Super Bowl. It, 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 it hit me hard. Oh, and it crushed still, me. And I'm rooting again uh, for the Patriots in this one because I can't watch Kroenke. No, I think a lot of people have shifted. Bowl. It's been a long time, but also their hatred of the Rams is so strong. <laughs> I'm also become numb to the Patriots winning. Yeah, I've think seen about so that. Often. They've won four in the last five years. Yeah, I'm numb to that. That is amazing. I mean. And to are do you it? rooting for the Rams? I feel like you are. I feel like you still kind of like the organization. You know what? I I'm, would not say, put, I'm not I'm, telling you, know you that. What? I just I, feel I'm that. A, he cost me a ring, all right? Belichick. I'm, I'm, I'm a Brady fan. I, I think the dude, you want, that's the guy you want to be. He's got the most beautiful lady on the ground. She makes twice as much as he does. He's the <laughs> brokest guy in the house. He gets to play a game for a living. He doesn't get touched. No one touches it. Matter of fact, this is a great story. Guy goes there and he's he's um, young running back and uh, he I think he he missed a block and an end hit Brady and the coach takes him in the locker room he says let me tell you something he says that will never happen again he says that guy signs all of our checks he says if he gets hit again you get your helmet and you go to the locker room you shower you leave your stuff and don't ever come back. He says the meal ticket doesn't get hit ever. <laughs> if you got to sacrifice your body, it ain't just for the, your your colleagues that you play with. It's for the coaches. All the coaches depend on twelve standing up. If he gets hit again, you can consider yourself cut. Don't you don't even have to talk to us. Just get your helmet and go to the locker room and don't come back. And it's clear that they <laughs> buy into that. You can tell. The one thing you know what Larusa told me last week because he's buddies with Belichick. He said what people don't understand because of how he comes off is that the players love, love him. him. Yes, they do. And LaRusso said it was the Super Bowl in Arizona a couple of years ago. I think it was the one when Seattle threw the late pick. He said he and Belichick are out to dinner with some other people. And a couple of the players are also eating there. And Belichick picks up their tab, which it's great. You know, coaches probably do that. Well, the Patriots do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bob Kraft will be paying for that. But he said the wives come over with the players, and they're like hugging him. Billy said, "This is the same guy. You guys all see him on TV. He he's a robot. He he's an adult." He said, "These wives are like they love." And he said that that organization. He said is an unbelievable family. 
that nobody yeah. gets. He said, outside of New England, you just don't get it that that's what's going on. No, he's the guy everyone loves to hate. And that's almost what you want because he'll take all the bullets for his team and nobody has to worry about it. That's, that's, that's leadership, man, you know. Remember when March would come out and, and focus on somebody or badmouth a player? I mean, that, that goes to a locker room, man. You start getting that happening in your locker room, that ain't good. And I was, I was talking with Dan Connolly about Belichick yesterday as well and how he coaches Brady, and he basically said that, look, when you're in that locker room, nobody's safe from Belichick. And I think that's part of the reason that they're so successful is how many other sports or how many other teams, I mean, look at LeBron, for example. Super successful, probably the best of all time, but he runs the team. He's the GM. He's the coach. He does whatever he wants. He drinks red wine now as he's walking in with his, yeah. with his suit on. $2,000 bottle whatever it is. Wine, And I yeah. love LeBron. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But Bill Belichick can still coach Tom Brady like he's the 53rd guy on the roster, and that mm-hmm. sets the, the message, sets the tone for everybody else, where he's yeah. not a diva, and it's not like special treatment, special rules for the superstar. It, you know, and he could be a diva too. By the way, oh, when yeah. he rolls up in his black Rolls Royce into the building, what, what was the line where the guy who was it, um, the linebacker that had that great year? Was it Spikes or whatever? Uh, and Tequila Spikes. Yeah, and he had such. A, he had a great no Brandon. Oh, Brandon Spikes. Brandon had like a his second or third year, amazing year, and didn't make the the Pro Bowl team, and and actually was was actually crying that he didn't make it, and all the guys were coming up and. Hey man, don't worry about it. You know you'll get it next year. You had a great season. And Brady walks in. He goes up to him. And he says, puts his arm around. Him, he says, "Seriously?" He goes, "You think I play this game to win the Pro Bowl? To go to the Pro Bowl?" He says, "This is about winning rings. Get your head up. This is Brady. Get your head up. It's about winning rings around here, not Pro Bowls." Now you got a guy that that's at that level, making it a team thing and not an individual thing. That kind of permeates the locker room, man. You know, I think it's. And I'm a I'm a Brady fan. I, I mean, the, the guy had to sell his soul to the devil. There's no way you get all the stuff he's got, and the devil's not back there. You know, waiting for him so to drop dead. So that answers the question: Who would you be if you came back in another life? You'd be Tom Brady. How, how We'd all you, be you. But. Yeah, right. The um, pride of K State, along with Glenn Zimmerman and Dave Sharp, right? Yeah, yeah there's actually there's the a statue of me right there on the quad. Is there? Yeah. I, I don't know because I really haven't been to Manhattan, Kansas. Well, I don't think your SATs were high enough to oh, get you okay. there. You know, you had to wind up in Madison somewhere out there in the cold. Plus, about Tom Brady, he's making $14, 15000000 dollars. He gave money back. Right. When Aaron Rodgers this year, I think it was like thirty-three. So I don't care what anybody says. You're not telling me he has some type of handshake agreement with Robert Kraft that, hey, once you're done with the Patriots, I'm going to pay you back. Help us out with the cap right now, because there's no way that dude's taking fourteen, fifteen million when he's still one of the best quarterbacks. Well, he got NFL. a bunch up front, and then they gave him third seventeen one million dollar bonuses. So you got to factor that in, and he's already he's already partners with Robert Kraft. So, so he's going to be taken care of for life. Well, if you go out to Gillette Stadium and look at the development, Brady owns part of that, I believe. <laughs> I'm serious. He, I think he's a part owner. And that's why Brandon Spikes cares a little bit more about a $2 million Pro Bowl bonus than Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. And that's my, that was my takeaway from that story. I'm like, yeah, because you have Giselle sitting at home. You don't need a 2 to $4 million bonus, Tom. Dude, your wife works. Yeah, okay? Spikes is sitting here like, if I win the Pro Bowl, I get $4 million. <laughs> Step off a little bit here, yeah. Tommy. Your wife is worth $475 million. How about that? Let me get a bonus check here, please. <laughs> All right, before we let Malcolm go, the Malcolm, he's got business to do. 
I'm good. Might yep. be hopping a plane to Atlanta. You I, never know. I'm thinking about making that trek Might down be. there. Unless planes are being grounded right now, man. How Come to the that? dark side. Huh? Come to the dark side. <laughs> Root for the Patriots. Root for the Patriots. Um, coach or manager you enjoyed the rapport with or had the best rapport with in the time that you were here? I liked La Russa. Matter of fact, uh, La Russa was – actually, Joe Torre was the best. Um I got along with all those guys, but I would actually get to when when Joe Torre was a, was a skipper. Before the games, I would get to hang out with him, and he would be with his like Jimmy Leland. So it would be the three of us in there, and they would be smoking cigars and telling stories. It, it was amazing. So he would let me do that. Larusa um, would bring me in, and I remember when Albert Pujols first made it to the Cardinals, and Larusa took me over and introduced me to him and said, "Hey," he says. This dude right here is going to be the next superstar. And, you know, people tell you that, and you're like, yeah, whatever. And obviously, he knows his, his craft because Albert turned out to be what he turned out to be. Um, I, I just Anybody you didn't enjoy the rapport? Because you did get along with everybody. Was there anybody you ever rivaled with or just didn't look forward to that routine? Um no. I mean, you were a, you were a big Hazlitt guy. Remember that? I liked Hazlitt because they I just could, didn't win any games, but you could do anything you wanted. Yeah, because you let me just come in the office and sit down and talk to them. They knew I would, and the players would tell me things that I wouldn't share with with coaches, and that's why I would find out all kinds of stuff. But uh, I got, I loved being in that position where I could. They had that that trust in me that they could open up Hazlitt. I thought he thought he was going to get that job, and I thought he was was going to put a pretty good run together to get it. Um, yeah, that losing the last ten kind of cut yeah, into the chances. Yeah, that kind of hurt him. Linehan was a little different. He didn't. He, he was never, in over his head. Yeah, he didn't. It didn't feel like he was locked in to go and this is my team. I'm getting ready to go do this. They have no choice but to to get behind me. He was. He always. He always felt like an interim, so I didn't feel very comfortable there. Yeah, and he he got really mad because we had Burwell on on a Sunday night, and I had to tape the Monday interviews with him. And I've told the story, but we're sitting there ready to tape. And Tom Heisey, our photographer, says, hey, guys, we ready to go here? And, and I said to Scott, is everything okay? And he goes, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And I said, you watch uh, Seattle last night because they were on Sunday Night Football. Mm-hmm. And it was the next opponent. And I think the Rams were like 0-6 or 0-7. He said, yeah, I, uh, I watched them after I watched your stupid show. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'm sorry? And he said, you and Burwell on there mocking me. And I said, no, 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 no. We, didn't, we did not mock you. And he said, put the damn graphic up with my record. Well, it was through his first 20 games yeah. or whatever it was. Speaks for itself, baby. Can't but I said, you know, March had a ridiculously high winning percentage his first 20 games or whatever it was. And I said, well, you weren't at the bottom. Vermeil was at the bottom. I said, and there's a guy who dug out. I said, it wasn't, it was just kind of a barometer. Where are we after the first 100 days in office? That kind of thing. And I said, and then Brian's a columnist. He's paid to have an opinion. It's mm-hmm. just what he said. And he said, yeah, I didn't appreciate it much or whatever. And I said, well, I try to be fair. I said, I sit with you every week. And I, and, but Brian gets paid on Sundays to chime in. That's right. And so I said, we talk some more about it. And he said, nah, nah, let's go here. And so then Tom's like, all right, guys, ready? Here we go. And I'm like, hey, here alongside the coach. Most awkward. Great like, TV. Eight to ten minute taped interview. No, no, no. The worst is when I had to do the Kurt Warner show and he wasn't playing on TV. Remember that? Oh, that's right. That Mondays was, with Kurt. Oh, that was horrible. From his house, I think. We did it. We did it from wherever we could find a spot where we could put some lights up. It was horrible. He didn't even play. Right. So, I mean, and he's Bolter not going to bat. taking over. Yeah. Hey, we're Kurt, what'd you see yesterday when Mark? Ah, Mark played great. You know. Like, oh, that was horrible. Uh, I can't forget Charlie Spoonhour. 
I was thinking you spoon, were going to bring up Spoon. Spoon was, uh, man, there's just You were probably out with him and Huggins drinking beers. Actually, I got to spend some time with him. And actually, <laughs> great story. You're wondering, when did Malcolm actually work? If you're listening <laughs> to this, he was always hanging out with everybody. So Rammer and I are getting ready to do the, the, the uh, postseason. Uh, the uh, conference tournament, and we're sitting up. We're setting up to do the broadcast, and where we're setting up, the the Bearcats are are playing. That's where their bench is, and Huggins is there with his bench. His kids, his little kids, sit behind the bench, and they are just mfing one another. The coach at the players, the players are coming right back at Huggo and saying just the most foul stuff. And Rammer and I are sitting there going like, "Oh my God." This is how they. This is how they're he just like him. Yeah, and it was, and his, his little kids sat back there, and they heard all this stuff. It was, it was just crazy, crazy, crazy. But it was fun, man. Huggins and and Huggins and Spoon were the best of friends, the best of friends. As Frank always points out, that's because Huggins always beat him. But they would, they'd hang out <laughs> after the games. Yep. And, Mal, great to see you. You too, my. I friend. can listen to you talk all day, and I feel as if I have. No, great to <laughs> see Typical. you as always. Take my wife. Yeah. Yep. At Charlie the end can there, relate. Final shot has Always to get the last word. Absolutely, you know, typical. No, I think we booked you two or three times in the past, and you had to cancel. You're busy. He's going to China. Have I, have I canceled? I think it was I don't a while. Think ago. I've ever canceled yeah, on you, Martin. A couple of times. Martin, come on now. That's he would yell at across <laughs> the locker room. <laughs> Martin. Who's oh my name? God! I got to tell this story. Uh oh. Our flight back from the West Coast, when the plane about fell out of the sky. Oh, I think it was from Kansas City, wasn't it? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, this is a totally embellished story, but please proceed. This is not embellished. Way embellished. So, I don't even know. Chuck did you, knows the back of the plane Charlie, for ram flights. Did you have your seatbelt on? I don't remember because those flights we did whatever we yeah, wanted. Yeah, I mean Jack Snow would actually smoke cigarettes yeah. in the in the on the plane. I mean it was crazy. So it dropped like ten thousand feet in like two seconds, and you heard this scream, and it was Martin <laughs> screamed. I won't even say like. And you screamed. Disputed fact. But we get off the plane, he's like, I heard you back that boy going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Drop my free Chick-fil-A all yeah. over the floor. All the snacks. I think it was KC for a preseason game or something. <laughs> that plane, it dropped like yeah. precipitously, man. My, all these guys were screaming, but all I heard was Martin. No, because we're going to die. <laughs> the headline will say, Rams, Malcolm Briggs, and others <laughs> perish. No, I'm going to be the guy they're going to interview. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. It fell out of the sky, but I knew I was going to be talking to you. <laughs> Martin was screaming, though, when he went <laughs> he down. He flew past me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Malcolm Briggs, you can find him at Edward Jones if you'd like to hear more from the Malk Dog. Thank you, sir. Uh, don't forget Fast Eddie's doors open at 1 o'clock today, Thursday. Same deal, but Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's 11 o'clock. The doors open. The tradition continues. Head inside. You know what it is, Charlie? It's cold out, so people probably are not working that hard, if I had to guess, right? For sure. Kind of like December and the holidays. Too cold to work. Too cold to work. Head into Fast Eddie's. Hunker down. Order some of that great food that you've heard us talking about for years. Prices have not changed in years. Half-pound Fat Eddie burger, the peel-and-eat shrimp. They don't have soup. I think we established that earlier. They'd probably create some just for you, though. They're all about the customers having a good time. Live music going every single day. Open seven days a week. Stop by and see our friends at Fast Eddie's in Alton, Illinois. Clark Bridge, you turn right at the bottom of the bridge. You can't miss it. Broadway and Fourth. The tradition continues at Fast Eddie's.